0: Wanderer The life adventurer Said he's a Secret philosopher He's a wanderer Hello there once again fellow peregrinos, welcome to episode 23 of El Camino de Santiago Pilgrims podcast where we talk about planning and preparation and packing for walking the road to Santiago as well as tips, tricks and hacks to make your journey along the way a lot more enjoyable. Here comes the rest of that cheesy intro. We want to put the bounce in your boots, more case in your days, take the grim out of the pilgrimage. There, I've done it, I've said it, I can't help myself every week, I keep telling myself I don't need to say that, but I enjoy it, so I do it. Anyway, today we are going to look about, look at the Camino Frances and the Camino Portugues, the two most popular roads to Santiago and we're going to stand them up against each other and have a bloody good look at them and see what they've got to say for themselves. Because for those that are in the planning stage and are still choosing which Camino they want to do, they may well be considering these two. And if you've walked one of these routes, you might be thinking, hmm, I wonder what the Camino Frances is like or hmm. I wonder what the Camino Portugues is like. How does it compare? Well, today I'm going to stand them up against each other and let you know how they do compare. So we're going to talk about how far each one is according to John Briley's guidebooks, the guidebooks that I used for both of these Caminos. We're going to look at the starting point statistics of so how many people started in each place. You get an idea of how busy they're going to be. How did they get to the starting points? How do you get to the starting points, should we say? We're going to look at how many people actually walked those Caminos. And we're going to look at the calendar year of 2018, because 2019 statistics haven't been released yet. So that's going to be our reference point, 2018. We are also going to run a BDI over the types of terrain. So on each of those Caminos, how much is going to be on natural paths and free forests and gravel tracks? How much is going to be on quiet roads and streets? And how much is going to be, more importantly, on hazardous roads? We're also going to look at the highest point so you get an idea of how hard it can be at certain points. We're going to look at what the first day and first days of each Camino looks like. So you've got an idea of what it's like when you start and how tough it's going to be before you get your Camino stripes and are ready to do the, the hard yards, the big miles. We're going to look at the, the budget that you'll need for each one, which one's cheapest, how they compare, and we're also going to look at the last 100 kilometers of each one and by that i mean how many people start at each point so you get an idea of the how busy each one is and we're going to draw some conclusions from all of those statistics as well so this might help you this episode might help you choose whether you're going to go and do another camino and choose one of these ones or whether you're in the planning phase and deciding whether you're going to walk the camino frances from Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port in, in France, or you're going to walk the Camino Portugues from two of the most popular starting points, which are Lisbon and or Porto. So here we go then. Number one, let's look at the distance of each one. So and if you hear a page rustling there, I'm sorry about that, but it's just my notes that I've got in my little notebook. So the pages of my notes turning. So here we go. So the Camino Frances, according to John Briley's guidebook, which is a great guidebook. I can't grab it if you haven't got it, if you're going to walk that trail. And you can just search for that on Google or Amazon. John Briley, Camino de Santiago guidebook. So, and I'm not getting any commissions or affiliate um, benefits for that. It's just I used it and I had a great time with it and you will too. So, the Camino Frances is, according to John, to John Briley, 807 kilometres long from Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port in France, forever west until Santiago de Compostela. All right. The Portuguese Camino, in comparison, is a little bit shorter. Now, from Lisbon, it is 628.8 kilometres, so a bit shorter, and from Porto, where the vast majority of pilgrims start their Camino Portuguese. It's 251 kilometers and 10 stages. All right, so um, we will talk about the conclusions we'll draw from each of those. But if you are looking to take notes on all that, then um, just be aware that the Camino Frances is quite considerably longer. All right. So um, the Camino Portuguese is from Lisbon, 23 stages. So you could say 23 days and the Camino Portuguese from saint jean pierre de port is 31 stages. So you could be saying it's going to be 31 days. So you've got an idea of how, how long, more or less, each one would take. The starting point statistics. So in 2018, the Pilgrim office in Santiago, Santiago recorded that there were 32,899 pilgrims that started in France in saint jean pierre de port Compare that with, for example, the 3000 that started in Lisbon and the 26,000 839 pilgrims that started in Porto so you can see by far that Porto is the most popular starting point on the Camino Portuguese and if you're doing the month long Camino on the Camino Frances then Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port is the most popular starting point now I will tell you the most popular starting point on the Camino Frances which probably lots of you can guess but I'll tell you that towards the end and we'll address the issues that that raises and compare it to the, the Camino Portuguese. So you've got an idea there of what are the most popular starting points. Now, how did people get there? Now, from the interviews that I've conducted on this podcast so far, people flying in obviously from all over the world. Now, if you're going to start in St. Jean-Pierre the Port, often people make their way to Biarritz and how they get there would be by flying to a major international airport such as Paris, Madrid or Barcelona. From Madrid or Barcelona, you can often get a train or a bus to Pamplona and then you you can get a bus to Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port from there. If you're flying into Paris, then you can get a train or plane down to Biarritz, and then you can take another local train via Bayonne or there's a service called the Express Boricot which picks you up at the airport in Pirates and takes you right to the first steps of the Camino in Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port at the foot of the beautiful, forested, hazy, lovely Pyrenees. Okay, so there you have it so far. The distance, the starting point statistics and how you'd get there. Also, how do you get to the starting points on the Camino Portuguese? Very, very simple. A lot easier this one. You just fly to Lisbon or Porto and you get going from there. So, how many pilgrims walked the Camino Frances in 2018? The answer to that is 186,199 incredible numbers. Now that's um, more than double, nearly three times as much as the amount of pilgrims that walked the Camino Portuguese in the same year, which came in at 67,822. So if you are looking for a quiet time then the Camino Portuguese might be a better option for you. All right? So that could be one reason to walk the Camino Portuguese, but like I said we will ad- we will address these these issues and draw some definite conclusions at the end of the podcast. Let's look at the types of terrain. Here it gets very interesting. Now, on the Camino Portuguese, you will find that on the 23 stages from Lisbon, on natural paths, there are 222 kilometers. Point nine is on natural paths, or should we say gravel trails or through a forest, okay? From Porto... That's seventy-nine point seventy-nine point six kilometers. Alright, so if you compare that to the Camino Porches, the Camino Frances, sorry. The Camino Frances on natural paths through forests and gravel tracks, it is five hundred kilometers. So that's quite a lot. There's eight hundred kilometers on that trail and more than five hundred kilometers are on the natural paths through forests on gravel tracks, okay? So you've got an idea of how they match up in terms of that. Now, on quiet roads, on quiet roads, through sleepy villages or towns, you're going to be walking 200 kilometers on the Camino Frances, 200 kilometers. Now, if you compare that to the Camino Portuguese, which on these, shall we say, quiet secondary roads, there's 330 kilometers point three from Lisbon and from Porto that's 153 kilometers so you can see that actually a lot a lot of the Camino on the Camino Portuguese actually is along quiet roads and you'll find it's on cobbled streets a lot so if that's not your cup of tea then it might not be for you I have found personally that from Lisbon there's a a large percentage of that is from Lisbon as you've heard 330 of it and from Porto as we said there's 153.9 and I found that we're just when you were getting tired of walking on those kind of roads that It did throw you a little bit of forest to break it up. I love the Camino Portuguese, but I did find it from Lisbon tough, if I'm being honest with you. And again, we'll talk about what that means for when we're choosing at the end between the both. Now, how much is next to hazardous roads? How much is alongside hazardous roads? So national roads where you've got traffic flying at you at crazy speeds. It does happen. Now, from Lisbon, there's 71.9 kilometers alongside hazardous roads and from Porto there's 31.6 alongside hazardous roads so that's really worth considering and on the Camino Frances there's only 100 kilometers just over 100 kilometers alongside hazardous roads so you can see that there is a lot of roadside walking on the Camino Portugues compared to the Camino Frances that's definitely worth considering when making a choice so for that reason the Camino Frances does trump the Camino Portugues using those statistics now let's look at the highest point on the Camino Frances the highest point is at a place called Cruz de Ferro and that clocks up 1505 meters of altitude. Compare that to the highest points on the Camino Portuguese at a place called I hope I'm pronouncing this right. I'm probably not, but I'll have a good go anyway. Alvaizaez. There I did it. Alva Albair Zer, something a lot like that. Now that's just after Coimbra, between Lisbon and Porto. Probably three quarters of the way to Porto, something like that. And that clocks up 470 metres. So you can see the highest points on the Camino Frances. is three times that of the Camino Portuguese. So if you don't want to do lots of walking at altitude, lots of big climbs, then maybe the Camino Portuguese... Portuguese is better for you. So if you're just starting out, if you're just starting out, then the Camino Portuguese might be a better one to cut your teeth and get your Camino stripes. There are also two other major climbs on the Camino Frances. One is the first date into the Pyrenees and that gets to 1450 meters high and the climb to Ocebrero in Galicia clocks up 1300 meters of altitude. So you can see that there's a lot of altitude and high mountains you have to climb on the Camino Frances compared to the Portuguese. The Camino Portuguese is a lot flatter so that might influence your choice if you're a first-time pilgrim especially. What are those first day hikes like? So when you're breaking yourself in, how tough is it going to be to make your body and your feet and your leg muscles adjust? The first day on the Camino Frances is with the accumulation of the altitude, clocks up 31 kilometers, just over 31 kilometers. Now, there is a stop at a place called Orison, which is eight kilometers up. So you could actually make your first day eight kilometers if you want to. But the first stage, the official first stage is 31 kilometers. So if you do want to break that up, you can break it up with the eight kilometer climb into Orison. But do book in advance, okay? And I do believe they are closed large part of the winter as well don't quote me on that you might want to check out their website but yeah I do believe that you definitely should book that if you want to stay there very very popular place the Camino Portuguese the first day from Lisbon is 32 kilometers lots of it a good 10 kilometers of that is on a busy road so that might not be fun and a good way to fall in love with the Camino, and. These, that's 32 kilometers on your first day and from Porto it's 27.6 kilometers but again 10 ten kilometers of that is alongside a busy road that you might not fancy that on your first day. What lots of people do on the Camino Portuguese is they'll often use public transport to miss those first stages and join the Camino Halfway along that first day, or miss out the first stage altogether, and and miss out that roadside walking. And you can so you can get metros and overland trains to starting points. So that might be worth looking into if you don't fancy that, but still want to do your Camino Portuguese as your first Camino or your next Camino. Price wise, I found that there's not much difference. Portugal ten, tends to be a little bit cheaper. The Albergs, for example, the public Albergs, most of them are five euros. In Spain, they're creeping up to around about eight to ten euros now. So you can save a bit of money there. And that tends to be the major difference. And the supermarkets, and in general, tends to be a little bit cheaper, but I wouldn't say it's a massive difference. Comparing the hundred kilometers, let's look at how many people started in Sarria, which is the 100 kilometer mark on the Camino Frances and popular and important because that's where you need to start. If you want to do the least amount of possible to pick up your Compostela and for those people that only have a week or so and that will probably be your starting point on the Camino Frances. So, 88,509 pilgrims started in Sarria in 2018 massive numbers there compare that to the 34,000 who started in the area of Tui and Valença on the Camino Portuguese so nearly three times as many pilgrims started in Sarria so if you want to get a bit of peace and quiet then possibly the Camino Frances is a better place to start and do your 100 kilometers to get your Compostela. Okay so also I would recommend if you're going to do that that you start in Valencia because the border crossing is absolutely beautiful. You can cross um, if it's kind of spooky and rainy then there's often Clouds of mist that sit on the river, absolutely beautiful. And if it's sunny, then you just see the sunshine spark, the morning sunshine sparkling in the river as well. It's a really, really beautiful part of the world. I think that's a twenty-one kilometer day if you're starting in Valencia to cross the border, and an eighteen kilometer day if you are starting in Tui. And like I said, nearly three times as many pilgrims start in Sarria. So if you are going to do that, and you are going to do that as your 100 kilometers, for your 100 kilometers to pick up your Compostela in Santiago de Compostela, then that might be a better option for you. Unless you've got your heart on walking the Camino Frances, then you'll be walking with 88,509 pilgrims. Now, you do find on that part of the trail in the Camino it can turn into a bit of a pantomime and you do get some all singing, all dancing, shall we say, groups of pilgrims who maybe aren't there for the same reasons as most pilgrims who are there to kind of do a bit of soul searching and get a bit of peace and quiet and contact nature. It can be a bit of a controversial and touchy subject, this one and to me it's not about how how far you're walking it's the spirit in which you're walking and how you how considerate you are of other pilgrims now i have found that people big groups will stay up late while others are trying to sleep and that can be a problematic part of the camino frances unfortunately so just be aware that you might encounter that on the last 100 pilgrims, sorry, last 100 kilometers of the Camino Frances. And again, it's not about how far you're walking. It's it's about the spirit in which you're walking it and how considerate you are of your fellow peregrinos. So if you are walking the last 100, just be aware that there are people that may have walked from Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port, 800 kilometers, Paris. Which will be 1600 some people walk from their front doors in you know from as far flung places of munich that i met and switzerland and czech republic and just be aware that they're probably going to want to get early nights and it would be lovely if you know you went to bed uh, or if you weren't going to bed early, that you just respected those that did And as the hospitaleros told me, which is often a problem in Galicia, people don't wash up after them in the Alberg. So just be a considerate pilgrim and everyone's going to love you. Okay, what conclusions can we draw from all of those statistics? If you're a first time pilgrim and you want to do a month, the Camino Frances might be better for you. Though the Camino Portuguese is flatter. Um, There are less provisions on the Camino Portuguese. I did find that the signage was worse from Lisbon and there are big distances between the Albergs, like we said, 31 kilometers on the first day and a large portion of that is walking alongside hazardous roads. So if you're a first time pilgrim and want to do the month, the Camino and you are fit, trained and ready, then the Camino Frances might be a better option. If you're a first time pilgrim and want to build up to the month, but have a bit longer than a week, then Porto to Santiago probably would be a better option. It's flatter. You will encounter the Camino magic very much alive. And it's a really, really beautiful walk as well. And the Portuguese will enchant you. So like I said, first time pilgrim and want to build up to the month and have more than a week, porto to santiago those 10 days 10 stages might want and might be a better choice for you and you can stretch it out into two weeks if you've got two weeks as well so if you are a 100 kilometer pilgrim and you only have a week or so the camino portuguese might be a better option There are three times as many people, 88,509, compared to the 34,000 that started in the Tui and Valencia area. So, there you have it. You've got all the information, all the vital statistics there to help you choose. Personally, I found the Camino Portuguese grew on me, and I ended up loving my Camino Portuguese as much. I was totally head over heels in love with my Camino Frances as well. So I would, if you could, eventually do both of them. But if you are and do have those certain circumstances where you only have a month, then that might be better. And if you don't like roadside walking and that's not your cup of tea, if your boots were not made for roadside walking, and walking on cobbles, the Camino Portuguese might not be the best place to start. So before we go, I am now endeavouring to find more guests for the podcast. It's been a very, very busy period for me over Christmas with lots of work going on. So I am now got a bit more free time. So I'm going to be looking for people who have already walked the Camino to interview and pick your brilliant brains and so we can impart some information and share some tips and tricks to those that are going to walk it. So if you have walked the Camino and would like to be a guest on the show, please do send us a personal message on the Camino de Santiago Pilgrims podcast and we'll get you on. It will be a pleasure. Also, I want to say A very, very, very quick hello to our followers and likers on Facebook. So everyone that's liked the podcast recently, let's say a quick hello to Carlos Aspitia, Damien K. Higgins, Carolina Elizabeth, Amy Curran, who I went to school with. Lovely to hear from you, Amy, and she's going to walk the Camino... I think it's the one from over year, though. I can't remember which one that was, but she's going to walk the Camino this year in May, and that's been a, uh, a bucket list thing for her. So, congratulations, Amy, on making that choice and taking the plunge. Katie Coughlin Trot, thanks for reaching out on Facebook. We had a quick chat. Um, I think it was um, a comment that we, we shared there. So, Isabel Vincent Grimini, Chris Ori, hello again. John Simpson, I wonder if that's the BBC reporter. Probably not, but lovely to hear from you, John. Michel Pietro Boni. Pietro Boni. I hope I got the, the Italian inflections there. Dyleen Hinton, Christian Lopez, Tish Conway. Hello again. Horry Jing, Len Blazio, Hello again. And Stephen Belfiore, Timanti haney Casalainen, Amy Waters, Maria Arcolacchi, who we've spoken to before. And, of course, Gio Forstafel. And to all those, of course... ...who are following the podcast. Let's say a quick hello to you guys as well. Kerry Burt, Cheryl Middleton, Sally Ball and Marta Jacobson. Guys, thank you very much for supporting the podcast. And if you could support it a little bit more by leaving us a review on iTunes or Facebook, that would be lovely as well. So I am going to leave the last words with a lovely man called Tommy Pender who reached out to me on Facebook and said, Brad, you know what? There's one vital thing you're missing from that 10% guideline of body weight for your backpack. He said it should be 10% of your ideal body weight, which is a really, really, really good point because if you've had a little bit to eat over Christmas like I have, um, too many mince pies. It's, uh, if you haven't had them, then look them up on on the line and order yourself some mince pies. It's a very very English tradition that we have at Christmas. So if you've had a few mince pies like I have, and you may be carrying a few kilos, then it wouldn't be 10% of that body weight. It would be 10% of your ideal body weight. So 10% of your ideal body weight, as as they say in the Pirates of the Caribbean, a goid loin. It's not a rule. It's a goid loin. Okay, so there you go, fellow peregrinos. That is this week's episode, Shellmates. And until next Friday, I want to wish you all a very, very nice weekend and buen camino, fellow peregrinos. <music> Under